I'm Bhumi Patel, a South Asia analyst at Stratfor, a RAIN company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analyses. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Stratfor Essential Geopolitics podcast from RAIN. I'm Emily Donahue. The relationship between China and Taiwan, and by extent both with the world, are in a period of rapid change. Although China's official policy is still one of peaceful reunification with Taiwan, the island's political evolution and shifting international relations are pushing Beijing down a more coercive path. How Taiwan handles China is also changing. Here with guidance on Taiwan's economic ties with China is Chase Blazik, Stratfor Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. Chase, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Emily. Great to speak with you again. Can we start with the economic relationship with China? What is the state of cross-strait economic relations? And subsequently, what does that mean for Taiwan's vulnerability to Chinese coercive activities? Yeah, no, that's a great place to start. Um, The short and sweet of it is that Taiwan's economic growth uh, and its export economy are driven heavily by manufacturing and especially semiconductors or chips. Um, This worked out quite well for Taiwan in 2020 uh, as the world uh, had a higher demand for chips as people went indoors and started using more devices. Um, So this helped Taiwan's GDP to grow by 3% in 2020 when the rest of the world actually shrank by 3%. Um, That said, uh, Taiwan does rely on China to soak up most of this trade, uh, both in exports and imports, and that reliance is only uh, growing, pardon me. Um, This reliance goes both ways, though, um, because as it turns out, China also relies on Taiwanese chips, uh, because China in in 2020, for example, consumed over half of the world's chips, um, but its semiconductor foundries, the factories which produce these chips, uh, only brought in about 6% of global revenues, whereas Taiwan's foundries uh, brought in about 63% of global revenues. So succinctly, China can't afford not to buy Taiwanese chips, and Taiwan can't afford not to sell them to China. Um, The other side of that is uh, investment, and this is a little less fraught, um, but lopsided in an interesting way in that uh, Taiwan actually invests more in China, about $6 billion in 2020, than China does in Taiwan, which is only about $120 million in that same year. Um, This investment means quite a few Taiwanese facilities and over 400,000 workers uh, are in China. And China's not likely to mess with those, for example, by blocking exports or credit flows, because this would hurt China's investment environment. But what China has done and will likely continue to do is poach, uh, poaching chip talent, with uh, the Taiwanese government stating that since 2017, China has actually poached about 3,000 of Taiwan's total 40,000 chip engineers. Well, Chase, what can Taiwan do to protect itself economically? Well, part of what uh, Taiwan could do is happening naturally, and that's with FDI dropping um, from Taiwan into China, and this is causing factories to move out, uh, Taiwanese factories. Um, Largely, this is due to labor costs getting cheaper in South and Southeast Asia comparatively, but also U.S. uh, restrictions on where Taiwanese chip companies companies can sell their chips. Um, The other part is policy coming out of Taipei. And 
honestly, they're having mixed results, um, to put it kindly. Um, and these are happening over very long time frames that might not be the best at deterring Beijing. The, the first is a 2016 policy for a new model of economic development, which basically means they want to move into higher value-added manufacturing, not just creating chips, but maybe designing them, right, and services. But again, this is a 30-year economic plan. And in the meantime, over the past five years, Taiwan's economy has only um, grown more reliant on producing these chips. Um, another policy is the new southbound policy, which is aiming at shifting Taiwan's trade partners from China to, for example, South Asia and Southeast Asia. This has sort of worked, uh, for example, from 2019 to 2020, uh, Taiwan's trade with new southbound um, countries or new, new southbound policy countries grew by 20%. But in that same year, Taiwan's trade with China grew uh, over 30%. So it's not exactly working like they'd hoped. And the last area of policy um, that Taipei has been trying to adjust is on demographics, and this is because Taiwan's birth rates are dropping and its immigration is not very high, meaning they don't have the young, smart folks either growing up in Taiwan and staying there or coming from abroad to help drive this new economy, right? And they've tried to increase subsidies uh, to improve birth rates and help with national health insurance and import uh, skilled foreign labor, but the numbers just aren't adding up to offset the dropping birth rate. Isn't China having that same problem? Uh, yeah, definitely they are. The good thing about China's economy is it's so much bigger than, than Taiwan. So they can afford, as far as the cross-strait relationship is, to, to have an equally low birth rate. Um, but China, for its, for its part, its economy is much larger and it can use that heft toward Taiwan. Whereas if Taiwan wants to diversify uh, its economy, it needs those young, smart folks. And it's not, um, it's not keeping them right now. So what else can Taiwan do to protect itself aside from economic policies? Well, that's what our, our team is going to look into here over the next couple months, the, especially politics, security, and global partnerships. Um, but we can get a preview based off of recent world events. Um, first, uh, Taiwan's going to keep on pushing for its inclusion in international fora, like the World Health Assembly and uh, more diplomatic meetings with uh, countries like the U.S. Uh, internally, uh, President Tsai Ing-wen is going to continue trying to balance pro-independence and pro-status quo forces because Taiwan wants to avoid uh, unnecessarily uh, confronting Beijing on issues of politics. And Taiwan's military will also continue to deepen military cooperation uh, in Asia-Pacific to boost its regional footprint. Uh, and one example of that was just a couple months ago, the uh, recently signed U.S.-Taiwan Coast Guard Agreement. Um, in these ways, Taiwan can try to leverage its precarious uh, geopolitical position to recruit partners in deterring Beijing. Um, and given that the U.S. and Europe and many countries in Asia even are now beginning to sour on Beijing's economic statecraft and course of political activities, this is an increasingly realistic tactic for Taiwan. Chase Blazik is Strat4 Asia-Pacific analyst at Rain. Chase, thanks so much. Thank you, Emily. If you would like to have regular intelligence updates on global geopolitics, including the relationship between China and Taiwan, sign up today for the Strat4 Worldview newsletter from Rain. It's full of geopolitical updates from our team of expert analysts. Sign up at worldview.strat4.com. That's worldview.strat4.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.